US equities have fallen sharply, particularly towards the end of trade, with a few familiar stories holding markets back today. The stimulus deal in the US, will they or won't they? And Brexit, will they or won't they? Although uh, the sign of the pound going up suggests that perhaps there's more hope for Brexit than there is for anything happening in the United States. We've also got more lockdowns in Europe, the US election and China. Doing rather well, thank you. It's Tuesday, the 20th of October, 2020. It's the morning call from NAP. Good morning. We'll also look at why, with a, a falling US dollar, the Aussie dollar isn't up today. The US dollar is down 0.4% on the DXY. Since its peak on the 23rd of March, it's lost 10%. But conversely, it's pretty much where it was at the start of the year. So we shouldn't get too excited about that. The US dollar has lost 0.6% against the Swiss franc, but not much against the yen. Not much movement in the Aussie dollar, as I said, either. But the, the euro is up around half a percent. The pound up 0.3%. US and European equities are down 1.6% down now for the Nasdaq, 1.5% for the Dow, 1.4% for the S&P. That is all escalated uh, towards the end of the trading day. 0.6% off the FTSE 100. The ASX yesterday closed on a seven-month high. It's unlikely you're going to be holding on to that, given those big movements in the United States. Small movements in bonds in the US and Europe. Australian 10 years are up three basis points, though. Not much movement in WTI crude, although Brent crude is down half a percent. So, well, it's a, a bit of a mixed session. It, it, we also have the very worrying steep curve now for COVID-19 infections globally. The seven-day average is 360,000 new cases and 5,300 deaths each day. And we've passed the 49 million mark for confirmed cases across the planet. And the UK had almost 19,000 cases on Monday as Wales announced a 17-day full lockdown. Schools, shops, the works, Ireland might be doing the same for six weeks. So maybe that's holding uh, market back a little bit too in Europe. But we'll start with the uh, where the markets were most positive overnight. And uh, despite all those rising numbers in COVID-19, it's in Britain and Europe. Ray Atrell is uh, NAB's head of FX strategy. So it's all to do with Brexit, of course, despite the rhetoric that's coming from both sides. There is a real hope, isn't there, that there's going to be a deal done and soon, perhaps. Well, morning, Phil. I mean, so just looking at the, the level of the pound, if you really, if you knew that come the weekend, for example, that we really were heading for a, um, a WTO style, Australian <laughs> style uh, non-free trade agreement, if that's what you want to call it. Why did, I don't um, know why they do that. Why don't they call it a Nicaraguan style <laughs> deal? I mean, there's no, there is no trade deal between Australia and Europe. Anyway, absolutely. It's Semanti- semantics it was described as in uh, in UK Parliament today. Whatever it's you got, want to call it, if uh, if yeah. that was that was where we were heading and the market believed that, then um, you know sterling would be one twenty five against the US dollar and probably falling towards one twenty um, as opposed to being where it is, which is still close to one thirty. So it's still telling you that despite the rhetoric coming from the uh, the UK side, that there is no basis. Mm for a resumption of the talks that uh, that Boris Johnson you know called off allegedly on the weekend um you know the EU side is still talking positively about um you know continuing talks um you know we know that the uh, the UK or the source reports are that the UK is is in the process of softening this internal market bill that is obviously so contentious um insofar as um you know a literal reading would would mean the reimposition of a hard border between northern and southern ireland um so i think behind the scenes you know the uk is softening up and there's every reason to believe the talks will resume yeah well the argument was that the eu wasn't prepared to work on the detailed text 
because they said there's still significant differences. Now they're saying that they are prepared to work on the specific wording, but those disagreements are still going to remain. So I don't know how they're going to work their way out of that one, but we'll see with interest. Look, another detail and another deal, I should say, which is going nowhere in a hurry, is the uh, the stimulus talks in the in the US uh, today or tomorrow. US time is supposed to be the the deadline if it's going to happen before the election. Look, the, we've been seeing big movements in the last hour or so in US equities. Republicans are going to vote on a stripped down package in the Senate, but that's for five hundred billion dollars worth versus two point two trillion that the Democrats are looking for. This is going nowhere. Well, yes. I mean, what we know is that, um, you know, certainly in the last 10 minutes, I've, I've you know, read that the, the talks, certainly between Nancy Pelosi and US Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, you know, were due to resume at um, at six o'clock. Um, you know, generally, I think markets remain extremely sceptical. And as you say, the um, if the Senate Republicans are in process of approving a $500 billion bill, we know that's not going to fly with, um, you know, with House Democrats, for example. Um, yeah, so the sticking point still, and, but at the same time, we know that um, Donald Trump has said that he's willing to improve on the $1.8 trillion previous uh, offer. So bridging a gap between 1.8 and 2.2 surely is, um, you know, is not it's beyond small, the wit of man. But he's going to convince that, as we keep on saying, really it's a Senate. three-way. Yeah, That's right. Exactly. I mean, the curious for me is, you know, why are Senate Republicans or a rump of Senate Republicans seemingly implacably opposed to such a, you know, to, to a deal of that size? And, you know, I only assume that um, the Tea Party, if you remember that from, uh, you know, yeah. the mid-2000s and uh, et cetera, is still alive and kicking. And there are still senators, presumably, who represent constituencies that are anti-big government and big government spending, and that um, perhaps yeah. they feel that their seats are vulnerable in the event that they're seen to cave in favour of, uh, of another, you know, very large scale fiscal stimulus. And $2 trillion, remember, is 10% of US GDP. So these are big numbers. So maybe yeah. that's why they're holding out. Who knows? But um, yes, there's a, there's a sliver of optimism there. But stock markets today are saying more likely than not, it's not going to yeah, happen. It so, so it seems that way. Now, tell me about this, because China's GDP yesterday up 4.9% in Q3 year on year. That undershot expectations a little, but still, you know, it shows they are doing a lot better than even before the pandemic. Industrial production up 6.9%. But where is this demand coming from? And presumably, the, you know, the government is pumping money in to get this working. Uh, but, you know, with, with without international demand picking up, they're going to be, and I know there is some domestic demand, and we saw that because retail sales were up as well. But they're going to be landed with a, with a surplus of goods if, the, if they carry on at this rate, aren't they? Well, they are, you know, the export numbers that we've had in the trade figures were actually you know, pretty impressive in a way. They're still growing in year-on-year -year terms. Um, you know, as you say, retail sales three point three from year-on-year, -year, up from zero point five percent in August. That tells you that domestic demand, you know, is doing some of the heavy lifting here as far as getting the economy back on track. Um, you know, and so it, it is a real sort of combination, I think, of sort of domestic service sector activity is picking up. Industrial production is strong, as you say. And if you really want to know what a v-shaped recovery looks like i was just looking at a chart of you know of gdp and if you you know if you think that the trend of gdp in in china is quite a steep upward sloping um, straight line isn't it and mm. then you look at uh, what happened in q2 and now q3 gdp is actually slightly above where that upward sloping line um would be so effectively you know in two quarters uh, china has fully recovered the hit from uh, you know, the, the, the impact of social distancing in Q2, um, and it's back in line with, with trend growth, which is an absolutely incredible Astonishing, isn't it? Say. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we get their, uh, their loan rates today. It's expected to stick at uh, the, the prime rate, 3.85%. 
that is uh, that's unimaginable anywhere else in the world as well, isn't it? Starts with a three, and it doesn't have a minus sign before it. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that's another sign, isn't it? As, as, as you know, just the, the the state of the Chinese economy. And we've got the uh, the one today. Uh, the highest for several years. So what's that doing to the Aussie dollar? Um, well, it's, it's not helping it, which is, um, you know, on another day, you would certainly think that it has. So as you say, that dollar one yeah. rate has gone back below 670. It was only just over a week ago that, um, you know, China was was changing regulations that would make it easier to actually sell the one, which suggested that uh, they were getting uncomfortable with the pace of the rise that we've seen in recent months. Um, but just going back to those interest rates, you know, the bond, the, you know, bond yield still close to 3%. So, you know, 200 basis points or more higher than just about anywhere else in the world. What's not to like about parking money in China at the moment? Um, and clearly, the, the PBOC is not as resistant to um, you know, additional strength here as I think many of us believed just a few days ago. So, as I say, on another day, um, that, that, the, the combination of those China numbers um, you know, and the strengthening of the yuan would be a supportive influence. The fact that it's at the bottom of the the Aussie dollar at the bottom of the pile, I think, probably speaks yeah. volumes about markets anticipating what the RBA's next move might be. As far well, as yeah, because uh, because we've got the US dollar, you know, as I said in the introduction, mm -hmm. it's zero point four percent down as well. So for the Aussie to be down with the uh, with the yuan up and the uh, and the US dollar down is uh, yeah, I mean that shows a lot of apprehension. That's right. It? So I think the the only way you square that circle is to say that it is the market intensifying its expectations as to to what the RBA will do on Melbourne Cup mm. Day, not in terms of you know cutting interest rates. I think that's fully baked in the cake as far as this reduction in the in the cash rate and the three year YC target from 25 to 10 basis points. But, um, you know, the speculation is really about, you know, are they going to formally announce a QE bond buying program in the sort of mid to longer part of the curve, meaning five to 10 years? If so, you know, what quantum are the RBA likely to put on that? And, you know, at the moment, markets are sort of traveling in an expectation that there will be something. And, uh, you know, and what we've seen in small open economies is it's very often the impact on currencies from um, QE programs, you know, tends to, to work as much or more in anticipation as actuality. And I think that's exactly uh, what's happening now, which is why so, the Aussie is, is struggling to, 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 to get much above 70 cents just at the moment. So will we get more out of, I mean, we get the RBA minutes, perhaps we're not going to get too much out of that today, but uh, perhaps Chris Kent, who's giving a talk uh, this morning, uh, with, with a very catchy headline, the stance of monetary policy in a world of numerous tools. That's right. These, these are not these are not newspaper headline writers, are they? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they come up with these titles. Uh, however long the title is, I, I've struggled to see how he's going to embellish what we've heard from Phil Lowe and Guy Bell in recent yeah. weeks. But uh, so I doubt we'll learn anything new. But um, there it is. It sits in front of the minutes, so uh, yeah. uh, we will be passing it in with enormous uh, interest and detail and see whether we can find anything that gives us a clue as to what the RBA has in mind for uh, for the November meeting. And the ABS publishes the, the Aussie payroll data today. Look, this is very worrying. They published some numbers on Friday. 11.2% of families with children under 15 are jobless families now. I mean, it was 10% last year, which is which is bad enough, but 11.2%, that's quite a quite an increase, 1.2% in a year. So that, that, and that was in June, so it could have got worse. Yes, no, that, uh, you know, the labour market is still, you know... Uh, a cause of deep concern, obviously. But, uh, you know, trying to look on the bright side, obviously what we're hoping to see today in those numbers is, is the first impact of some of the relaxation of, of lockdowns in 
um, in Victoria, um, you know, which did occur two, three weeks ago. So we might start to see some sort of glimmers of light there in terms of a pickup employment. So I think that will be the sort of the main interest in those figures this morning. Yeah, well, all the other interesting stuff really data-wise is towards the back end of this week, isn't it? We get US housing starts later on, but really it's, it's going to be Brexit, the uh, the stimulus deal in the United States, and uh, whatever happens with the US election as well. So we'll keep an eye on all of that. Good to talk for now, though. Uh, catch you soon, Ray. Thanks, Phil. And that's it. That's Tuesday morning on The Morning Call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.